0: Well, we're going to open up to Psalm 124 tonight. Psalm 124, as I've uh, reiterated, as we've looked at these these uh, psalms, the songs of ascent, the songs of degrees, that there's a there's a pattern um, to where these these psalms are really kind of um, grouped in, in threes, and so we started with 123 in this section, uh, 124 would be the middle, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end this little subsection with 125. It might be helpful, of course, if you've, uh, and you have, you've heard me preach or take a text or something very long, you know that I enjoy <laughs> patterns and structures and that kind of thing. Um There's a a pattern that these three will will take. Uh, The psalm will start out, Psalm 123 laid out a problem. Psalm 124 gave a source of peace, and then Psalm 125 will lead to praise. Problem, peace, praise. You could go back and say Psalm 120 was the problem, Psalm 121 was the source of peace, Psalm 122 was the source of praise. And as you go forward, you could do the same thing. So it's uh, uh, these Psalm 120 to 134 collection of five triads, problem, peace, praise that will kind of help you as you're reading through those psalms and trying to make those connections. So last week we looked at Psalm 123. there was a problem and the problem was, Really, verse 4 sums it up. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Our, our souls are, are, are overflowing with um, the, uh, the the slander of those that are at ease, those who are proud, and with the contempt or the shame, the disrespectful treatment of those um, who are proud. This is the problem. Then we get to Psalm 124. So, so in light of that, let's read Psalm 124. It says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord, who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. And so the, the the psalm really is um is built on a reality that's kind of packaged in a hypothetical. Okay, the reality is this, verse eight, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. But the way that the psalmist goes at this to to bring encouragement and to bring um He's, is he asked, he's not really asking, but we could turn the statement into a hypothetical question. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we could say it this way. Where would we be without the Lord? Where would you be without the Lord tonight? That's really the question that gets at the 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 peace that this psalm is meant to bring you live in a world where uh, you live in a world that is full of scorning and contempt for god and for godliness okay that's a problem if you're trying to be faithful that's a problem as you uh that presents problems as you try to live your life in a faithful way. But in light of that reality, we don't just live in a world full of problems. We live in a world where we face problems with God as our help. And so, uh, the psalm we're going to break up into three different sections, three different movements. Number one, in verses 1 through 2, we have a, a sober reflection A sober reflection, it's verses 1 and 2. Verses 3 through 5, we have a descriptive reflection. Descriptive reflection, verses 3 through 5. And then verses 6 through 8, we have a reflection that's worthy of praise. A reflection that's worthy of praise, verses 6 through 8. So, number one, a sober reflection. A sober reflection and and it's the first two verses. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say now you can if we stop there, you can just see this right away. This is meant to be um, a communal psalm this is this is a collective psalm. This is not one person talking about themselves, this is someone talking about Israel as a whole. This is not just the way God responds or the way God interacts with me, it's how God interacts with us, that is, God's people. And so, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us. So I just want us to think for a few minutes, biblically speaking, Now, Psalm 124 is talking about enemies, men who rose up against God's people. Um, There have always been enemies of the kingdom, and that's been from a physical standpoint, but there's also spiritual enemies. And, Really, everything is a as far as the kingdom is concerned all of the of the battles are spiritual in nature uh they do come out in in physical uh ways but here's the question: Where would we be without God? Where would we be without God, even if we take away this this idea of enemies rising up? Where would you be without the lord well couple of things to reflect on here again this is a sober reflection a sober reflection um, Deuteronomy chapter 32 Deuteronomy 32 scripture gives us some some figurative language that helps us paint a little bit of a picture here in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 10. He says that he found him, this is, the way, this is where Lord, the Lord found Jacob. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. Where would you be without God? Where would I be without God? Well, number one, we have this metaphor of a desert, a dry place, a barren place, a desolate place. Uh, we, may, we, we might put it this way, a lifeless place. This waste, howling wilderness. This, this lifeless place that's kind of chaotic. This is where God found Jacob. Metaphorically, I mean, as we think about where we would be, what would our life be? Without God, well, it'd be a waste howling wilderness. It'd be a desert. It'd be desolate. Now, we can think about this from several different levels. Number one, we can think about this from, a, and we'll we'll talk about it more in a minute in, in this way, but where would you be spiritually speaking? Well, you would be dead. Okay, that's, that's kind of an easy one to think about. We would be dead. We would be in darkness. We would um, not have... Um, Light or life. But not just that. I want you to think about from a human standpoint where you would be outside of the guiding providential hand of God in your life right now. We're going to talk in a minute about some of these intricacies that we don't often maybe think about or not aware of. But it's worth thinking about and noticing or at least taking note of the fact that God's hand has providentially intervened and directed in your life in millions of ways that you will never know about until you get to heaven. And maybe you won't know about them all then. I'm not sure. But, but millions of tiny ways that change the course of your life that you didn't even notice. Where would we be? were it not for the fact that the Lord... Now, now the original question is that the Lord was on our side. right? God's providence is a promise that God is on our side. He's directing things together for our good, or working things together for our good and for His glory. So where would you be? Your life would be a desert. It would be a waste-howling wilderness. Or we could ask, where would we be without God? Ezekiel pictures this a little bit differently. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 3 through 6. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 3 through 6 says, And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a Hittite. Okay, It just means they were pagans, they were godless. Verse 4, And as for thy nativity, in the day that was born thy navel was not cut, Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. No eye pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live." I'm going to stop there. So the question is, where would we be? Where would we be without the Lord? And according to the way Ezekiel, uh, the Lord comes to Ezekiel, and of course he's speaking to Jerusalem, but uh, this is a type of God's people, where would we be? Well, we would be helpless, neglected, polluted, in a cold and cruel world, left all to ourselves. There's something to be said about belonging somewhere, isn't there? I mean, what Brother Davis said this just a few minutes ago about some of the, even some of the subconscious blessings that we receive by coming and being part of a body and fellowshipping with each other and meeting together and walking together. The help that's received, the care, the compassion, the love. Where would you be without God. You would have none of those things. You would have none of those things. The picture here is of a pitiful, helpless infant that when the world looked upon had zero compassion, no pity. Let him care for himself or her for herself. Or maybe we could say this. We could, I mean we could we could go Metaphors, all nine, but we'll just do a few more. Where would you be without God? Well, how about thinking about Psalm twenty-three, four? You would be walking through the valley of the shadow of death all by yourself. That's where you would be. The fact that God is our shepherd means that He is with us as we walk through that valley. The valley's there, regardless you realize that believers and unbelievers both walk through dark seasons of life. Believers and unbelievers both walk through and are affected by the fallenness of this world. Where would we be without God? Alone. That's where. Walking through these things all by ourselves. Now, let's think about this from a... From a spiritual standpoint. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, he's remembering back here. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now think about that state. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, Paul is, is making this as vivid as he can make it. Where would you be without God? Well, you would be, verse 12, without Christ, number one. And then it just all goes from there. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. What that means is, is that the inheritance that belonged to Israel or the inheritance that would belong to God's people would not belong to you. You would be a stranger. You don't belong there. Strangers from the covenants of promise. That is, God gives promises that you have absolutely no reason to lay claim to. Wouldn't that be a sad state? Where would you be without God? That's where we would be. Having no hope. What an existence. No hope. I think it's a fair assessment to say that the spiral, the downward spiral in our society, is speeding up faster and faster and faster. Because we live in a world, we live in a society that has lost hope. Hope is a powerful thing. And by hope, we're not talking about wishful thinking. We're talking about confident expectations in God's promises. This is where we would be without God. But but notice the way that the passage goes. You, you, You know this pattern already. You were without hope, you were without God in the world, verse 12, but now in Christ. You were sometimes afar off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. This was your condition, but, and we'll, we'll just say it this way, but God. Right? I mean, we could go up a little bit and uh, verse 4 after Paul talks about the fact that we had our manner of life the same way that the Gentiles did. We were by nature the children of wrath, But God, who is rich in mercy. Where would you be without God? Or think about this. Go to Genesis chapter 20. You see, we were talking earlier about just the the millions of ways that God providentially moves in our life, and, and we could never trace it all. Genesis chapter 20. Now this is the story of uh, Abraham uh, traveling and he's come to Abimelech and he tells him that Sarah is his sister, not his wife. And so Sarah was a beautiful lady and Abimelech takes her for himself. And then um, the Lord comes to him in, in a dream. So verse 3, it says after that she was taken by Abimelech, it says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man. For the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her and said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she even herself said, he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands. Have I done this? And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou did this in integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore, suffer I thee not to touch her. Now restore the man and restore the man his wife and, and so forth and so on. Um, If you don't, I will kill you and, and your people as well. So think about this. Where would Abraham be in this story if God were not on his side? I mean, Abraham's a coward here, right? Abraham says, I've got this beautiful wife, this gift from the Lord. And in this scenario, that's a problem for me. Because she's so beautiful, someone might kill me to get her. So my solution is to let someone who might be attracted to her think she is my sister. Where would Abraham be without God? You know, we can shake our heads at Abraham. But we've been just as cowardly as he has, just in different ways, maybe. Where would he be? What would his legacy be? The man who gave his wife to another man because he was scared. But that's not his legacy. He's the father of the faithful. Or what about this? Where would Sarah be without God on her side? Married to a coward? I mean, according to the text, not only did Abraham say she's my sister, Sarah said he's my brother. And there she is, the rest of her life in a harem, King Abimelech. But God was on her side. He intervened. He delivered her, not just from Abraham's cowardice, but even from Abimelech's natural desire. Or the third question, where would Abimelech be without God intervening on his behalf. I don't have any reason to believe that Abimelech was part of God's people, but God's providence was certainly working in his favor. The Lord kept Abimelech from putting himself in a position where God would kill him. Notice Abimelech says, what would you do to me? I've, I haven't i have touched her. And And the Lord says in verse 6, I withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I suffered you not to touch her. Where would he be? Now, the point in going here, and we could even tease this out a little further, is that God's providential, invisible hand working behind the scenes in our life to bring us to where we are today is so involved we couldn't trace it if we had to. And so we have to say along with, now we're summarizing here obviously with the psalms. where would we be if God were not on our side? How many times have you been in danger of ending up in a scenario like Abimelech's harem? Well, for most if not all of us, we'll never know. How many times have you been in a scenario where you were a few steps away from sinning in such a way that would have cost you your life? We don't know. We don't hear those kinds of testimonies, really, because we don't know. The Lord doesn't come to us and reveal these kinds of things to us all the time. So here's here's point number one, and then we'll have to move through the rest fairly quickly. For, for brothers and sisters in Christ, when you look at your life, now remember Psalm 123 is, de- is devoted to this world where we that, that we live in that's full of scorn and shame as far as us. We're overflowing with those things. When we look at our life, we may not be where we want to be, but we can be encouraged that we are not where we would have been if God would not on our side. Okay, So, a sober reflection. Number two, a a descriptive reflection. Back in Psalm uh, 124, a descriptive reflection. Verse 3, When they had swallowed us up quick, when their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters had overwhelmed us, the stream had gone over our soul, then the proud waters had gone over our soul. So he gives three different... Uh, metaphorical type descriptions or um, word pictures here. If it weren't for God, then three things. Number one, we would have been swallowed up quick. Number two, we would have been overwhelmed. That's verse four. And then number three, the proud waters would have gone over our souls. Now, we could trace this Through several scenarios, but I'll I'll give the quick overview. Number one, if it weren't for God, verse three, we would have been swallowed up. Quick. Now, the word swallowed there just means devoured or eaten, and the word quick there is not talking about something that would happen fast. It, It means that it's it means alive. Or living. So it's if it weren't for God, you would have been eaten alive. That's really what it's saying there. Your enemies would have devoured you, were it not for God. Now think about that in relation to a passage like First Peter chapter five, verse eight. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Brothers and sisters, had it not been for the fact that God was on your side, you would have been devoured a long time ago. You may not be where you want to be. But you're also not where you would have been had God not been on your side. How is it that we aren't devoured? Well, if we back up to verse 5. Likewise, you younger submit yourselves. This is verse 5 of 1 Peter 5. Likewise, you younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. How is it that we're not devoured? How is it that we can resist and stand steadfast in the faith? Well, number one, is because He gives more grace to the humble or He gives grace to the humble. Number two, we humble ourselves before Him so that He might exalt us in due time. And really all of that is, is based on this one simple reality out of verse 7 as we're humbling ourselves, as we're invited to cast our anxieties upon Him, it's for this reason. He cares for you. He cares about you. He's on your side. Secondly, it says uh, in verse 4 of Psalm 124, when the waters had overwhelmed us... We would have been overwhelmed or we would have been flooded. The landscape was uh, such, if you read about it, that if heavy rains came and they fell quickly, uh, it would the waters would rise um, uh, with really nowhere to go. And, and flooding was a very common thing. Uh, that's really the picture that Jesus is picking up on in Matthew chapter 7. Um, which we heard about on Sunday afternoon, about the the, the winds and the floods and the rains and, and those kinds of things. Were it not for the Lord being on your side, you would have been overwhelmed by now. That is, the floods, the rains, the winds would have knocked your house over. You would not be standing That's what he's saying. But you are standing. Why? Because God in His grace has set you on the rock of Jesus Christ and you're building there. And so when the rains and the floods and the winds come, you aren't overwhelmed. Your foundation is solid. Or the last one is this, and we're going through fairly quickly. The proud waters out of verse 5 would have gone over our souls. Would have gone over our soul. The phrase there, gone over, really just means to destroy. It's kind of like a bulldozer going over you. It's It's a destructive kind of thing. So If it weren't for the help of the Lord, you would have been eaten alive, you would have been overwhelmed, and you would have been destroyed. But you're not. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because our inward man, verses 16 and 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, our inward man is renewed day by day as we look at the things that are not seen. That is, as we with hope look to the eternal rather than the temporal. Well, where does that come from? How could we hope? Because God's on our side. That's hell. He's given us these exceeding precious, exceeding great and precious promises. So, a sober reflection where would you be without the Lord? You'd be in a barren place, your life would be in shambles. A descriptive reflection where would we be without the Lord? Well, we would be eaten alive, we would be overwhelmed, we would be destroyed. Now, a reflection that's worthy of praise, verses 6 through 8. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. A snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Where would you be without God? Well, verse 6, you would be prey in the teeth of the enemy. Verse 7, you would be in the snare or the trap... The many traps of the world, the flesh, the devil. And verse 8, where would you be? You would be without hope. Without help. And so what's the response of the psalmist here? Bless his name. Blessed, verse 6, be the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now we've talked about this before, but the name of the Lord is just a collective expression of his character. So what are we praising God for? Well, number 1, we're praising God because he's faithful, right? Or we can think about it this way, Proverbs 18:24. You know, there's a a friend loves at all times, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In your life and in my life, that's been God. Jesus Christ, who has been a friend, who has stuck closer than a brother. How often do you think about the fact that God is your friend? I mean, we ought to be reverent when we come to worship Him. We ought to. Um, Want to bring honor and and glory, but can you rest in the reality that God has made Himself your friend? We ought to be able to do that. Psalm 46, 6 through 7, says that God is with us. He is our refuge. Where would you be if God were not with you? Where would you be if God were not your refuge? Or Psalm 54.4, God is our helper. Where would we be without that? He's promised in Hebrews 13, He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will be our helper. Or what about this in Psalm 56 verse 9? This reality that God is for me. God is for me. Well, it reminds us of Romans 8:31, doesn't it? If God be for us, who can be against us? I don't mean this in a silly way. But when you think about God, do you realize that there is no one cheering you on more than him? He's for you. He wants to see you succeed. Matter of fact, He has secured your ultimate success, but as you walk through a world that is full of difficulties and challenges and temptations, not only is God working His providential hand in your life in ways that you don't know about, He's for you. And then Psalm 118, 6-7. through seven. This is just another way of saying it. The Lord is on my side. The writer of the hymn knew that. Be still, my soul. Right, The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently. Why? Because the Lord is with me. And so we go back. What is our peace? Where is our peace? We live in a world full of difficulties. The particular one in Psalm 123 is just the... um, aggressive resistance and the aggressive shame and scorning that comes from the world. Psalm 124 takes us into this reality. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we would have never made it. But He is on our side and we will make it. Let's pray. Father, we we thank You that You have made Yourself our friend. We thank you that you have given us these exceeding great and precious promises that we can hold on to, that you're with us, that you're our help, you're our refuge, you're on our side. Um, You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And so while we face difficulties in the world, we can acknowledge that they're present Uh, But Father, we also can take comfort in the fact that as we walk through those valleys, You are with us. You help us. You care for us. And You're for us. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.